This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Micah Blanc, episode 120. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Blanc. I'm really excited you're here today. Today on the show, I have Aaron Howell, and he's going to share with you his story of how he went from being a pharmacist to basically being financially free. And what I really like about him is he's just quietly taking action, and he's not buying giant apartment buildings. In fact, he's only got like 22 units, and he's already financially free. And I just really think that once you hear his story, you'll see how doable this whole financial freedom with real estate is. So without any further ado, let's get right into the story here with Aaron Howell. Here we go. Hey, Aaron, welcome to the show today. Thanks for having me, Michael. Hey, just give us a brief introduction about you and your business. Okay. I um, started real estate accidentally. I bought a house in 2006, lived in it for a couple of years. The market went bad. I decided to move kind of out into the country into a larger house and couldn't sell it. You know, just the price kept dropping and dropping and dropping. So I eventually rented it out for several years before selling it. Now, background is a pharmacist. You know, I had no entrepreneurial background growing up, but just knew I wanted a little bit more than just living paycheck to paycheck. And then, you know, I couldn't sell the house. Eventually rented it out just to cover the mortgage because I was making two mortgages for a while. You know, it was on the market. The light bulb went off. Ha! It went off. And what was that light bulb that went off? As your wheels started turning in your mind, what, what were the possibilities in your mind? At first, it was basically like, you know, I could outsource my debt. <laughs> that $1,200, $1,300 mortgage payment was covered by the tenant. I didn't have to come out of my pocket for it. You know, a year or two later, my mom, I was heading to Vegas to go mountain climbing on Mount Whitney. And she would mention, you know, picking up some real estate flyers while I was there in Vegas because the market was so bad. And I was like, whatever, you know, and I didn't get any. And then she, I think, talked to a couple of realtors at the time. We went that fall and purchased a property out there. You know, I think that's, you know, when the light bulb really went off because I went back about six months later and purchased the second property out there, kind of just getting started there with a single family. As many of us do. But what were you thinking at the time? Like when you said, oh, I can do this now, you could cover the mortgage, but did you have a broader vision at that point? What you think you might be able to do with real estate? What did you try to do with real estate? Basically just trying to create passive income. You know, if I could do, you know, one and clear two or $300 a month, I was happy at that point. I don't think I had the big picture kind of rolled up into one yet. It maybe took me a couple of years to kind of get that into play, but I knew, you know, two or $300 a month, the benefits of the tax deductions and things like that were kind of in my mind initially. So it was just generating some extra income for you, which you thought was pretty cool. Yeah. At yeah. what point did real estate start becoming a little more strategic to you and your family? I got married uh, in 2015. At that point, I had just closed on my first duplex, another aha moment. We had renovated the basement. It had some flood damage and we had renovated the basement. In the meantime, while it was vacant and we were looking for tenants, the upstairs was rented and it was paying the rent and then some. And I thought, you know, you know when that basement gets rented, that's all going to be mine. Late 2015, we closed on two more single families. Sometime in early 2016, I heard you on, a, I think maybe Joe Fairless's podcast. I think I uh, texted whatever number and got a link to your short little program. And I think within a, you know, a month or so, I had taken the long course with the syndicated deal analyzer. At that point, I was like, okay, multifamily. I think I had learned with the duplex. 
you know, that was the way I wanted to go, kind of scaling things up a little bit bigger. So when you thought of scaling things up, you obviously liked the way that single family houses were going. At the time when you decided to go to multifamily and you bought my course and my program, it's interesting how goals evolve, right? You think one thing, you get into it, and then all of a sudden your goals evolve and typically expand. So at the time when you decided to go into multifamily, what was your goal with it at the time? Probably just ramping things up more, you know, rather than spending, you know, 90 days with the bank, you know, submitting pay stub every couple of weeks, you know, letters of explanation. I figured, you know, with a multifamily, I could just get two units at once and, you know, I'd go through the same trouble, but I would just get two at one time or three at one time or four at one time at that point, rather than just getting one and then starting the whole process over again. Right. So you figure it's the same amount of work to do a few more units. Were you ever concerned about experience or lack of money or what were your main challenges that you wrapped around your mind around multifamily starting with duplexes and getting progressively larger? What was holding you back at the time? What were you struggling with? Probably that first year, year and a half we were married, we worked real heavily on paying some debt off. My wife, you know, she had some school loans, various other debt. I think we paid about thirty-five or forty thousand dollars off that first year, year and a half of being married. So that was kind of one, you know, thing holding me back. I wasn't necessarily worried about the experience. I knew kind of if I bought well and I had a ground team, you know, like a property manager, had a good realtor, had an insurance agent kind of lined up. You know, my experience in Vegas those first couple of years being a completely inexperienced, you know, and having such a good experience with that, I knew that I could duplicate it here, you know, locally or in another city if I needed to. So you then started setting about looking for not huge multifamily, but progressively larger. Can you talk about kind of like some of your first deals that you've done and how you found them and you know how you financed them? Probably late 2016, we closed on the duplex. Somehow I had found Cleveland, Ohio, as a market, you know, living here locally in Central Virginia, the property values are way higher. It takes a, a really good deal to cash flow. And somewhere that summer of 2015, kind of found Cleveland. We went back in 2016 and bought the duplex. I finally really got motivated early in 2017 to kind of get off my butt and get working. I redid our home equity line, you know, pulled a couple of things together. About that same time, I found a little local bank that I built a relationship with, which they, instead of taking you know, 90 days to complete a loan, they can do it in about 40. A lot simpler process, a lot friendlier. That was really um, you know, finding that bank and then kind of getting my stuff together, my home equity line. About that time, a large portfolio came open. My realtor there you know, he emailed me. He said, you know, hey, these are going to hit the market in, um, you know, in the next week or so. You know, take a look at this stuff. There was several quads, triplexes, duplexes, a couple of six-unit properties. I eventually closed on a quad there and then went back last year and then did three more duplexes. And in the meantime, sold our Vegas properties and used some of that money to 1031 into you know, these properties late 2017. That's fabulous. You just started accumulating some things in Cleveland. I think you did a deal in Pittsburgh as well. Yeah, we closed the spring. I got together some partners, not a true syndication, you know, 25, 25, 25, 25 partnership. We closed on a six unit there. I've recently changed jobs. You know, I have access to my 401k soon. And I've emailed the broker who we kind of developed a relationship there. He's sending me properties now, like, hey, you know, this might be something you're looking for, which is kind of nice, you know, rather than me having to track him down, he's emailing me stuff, which is, you know, a change, you know. As you build a relationship with the broker, things get a little easier. Let's talk about you said it's not a true syndication versus a partnership. Can we talk about the difference? We always talk about syndicating where you're doing a private placement memorandum, a bunch of past investors, and you actually have two or three 
investors in the deal, you guys are kind of sort of equals. Can you talk about how you structure that and why you like it or why you don't like that? There's four of us. Two of the partners are very passive, just busy with kids, with business, with work. So they're extremely passive. The other couple that's involved in the partnership and myself are uh, the co-managers. They have a little bit of experience with properties themselves. I have some property you know, experience, obviously, myself. We kind of call the shots. I'm not saying nobody gets to vote, but you know, the day-to-day stuff, you know, the little, hey, you know, the locks need to be changed. Yeah, just go ahead and do it. We don't contact the passive partners really for those. I'm not sure I would structure it the same way next time. You know, as the deal closed, I kind of found myself doing most of the work you know, with the lending process and you know, I was there for the inspection. I think you know, if I did it again, I would probably definitely syndicate where I'm the one kind of you know, controlling the deal. Now, how did you meet these uh, three other investors? How did that come about? One of them was the best man in my wedding. That helps. Yeah. So he's one of the passive guys. Another of the passive guys was the best man at the other partner's wedding. I've never truly met him. I've talked to him on the phone, but I've never met him in person. And the other partner, the couple, he's my chiropractor and his wife. So I've known them for about 10 years. Yeah. So you've known these guys, but it sounds to me like you've been talking about real estate with them for a while. Yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. You, you didn't call them up one day recently and going, hey, by the way, I'm doing these deals. Are you in? Right. right. And so we talk a lot about that a lot about raising money is that you got to start this conversation like right now. Because yeah. then sometimes it takes people a while to wrap their heads around the fact that you're now out there. They know you as the guy at the pharmacy or whatever. And if they don't know you as the guy with real estate, it takes them a while to kind of get comfortable with that. Have you talked to him a while about real estate in general? Yeah. The best man at my wedding, he was a pharmacist. The job I just left, he was the one who called me and said, hey, we have an opening, you know, 10 years ago. You know, I've talked to him over the years about real estate. You know, he's been like, hey, you know, when you get something, you know, you, you think you want to partner with, let me know. So, you know, a year ago, we kind of started this partnership. It took us a little while to find the property we were looking for. Everybody that knows me knows that I'm involved in real estate. You know, whether it's somebody else telling them or me telling them. You've gone kind of the small multifamily route, duplexes, some six here. How many units do you have right now? 16 in our personal portfolio and then six more with the partnership. So 22 yeah, that's, total. That's fabulous. And now you're still working your job. Is it a job that you need or that you want at this point? It's a job I want. I enjoy what I do. Part of me is somewhat OCD. You know, being a pharmacist is a uh, job where OCDs applauded. I went from 36 hours a week recently down to a part-time job where, you know, like I told my boss a couple of weeks ago, like, hey, I need to leave early today because I'm recording a podcast. Um, tomorrow, <laughs> you know, I have a meeting at the bank. So, you know, I'll leave about the same time tomorrow too. And it's kind of cool. You know, I went from working every third weekend. I've worked every third weekend for the last 10, 12, 13 years. I have one weekend I work in August, but they basically asked me, hey, would you be willing to cover this weekend? But I don't work weekends anymore, which is kind of nice. You enjoy the activity, which is why you're, yeah. why you're doing it. A longer term, what do you envision yourself doing? Longer term, just doing more of the same. I think I'd like to get you know, larger properties you know, at one time, you know, rather than getting a six unit or a four unit or a duplex, getting into larger multifamily. The process to close is the same process you, know, you would use to close with a six unit versus a 26 unit. The amount of effort is pretty much the same. Due diligence is a little bit more involved. You know, the inspection is a little bit more. Well, that's true. But one of the main problems, Aaron, is raising more money. So yes. how are you going to tackle that? I've got a couple friends. You know, over time, I've ran into people in bigger pockets. I've got a couple friends I've been introduced to by mutual friends. You know, we'll sit down and talk real estate every now and then. Um, our local real estate group, I'm involved in that. 
you know, I think at some point when I get something on the horizon, just go into these folks that I know and saying, Hey, you know, who do you know? Or if yourself, if you're interested, you know, maybe putting a couple of those people together in a syndication. I mean, it seems to me what you're doing is you're constantly blabbing about real estate. That's yeah. kind of my sense. And I think that's a key lesson for anyone listening to this stuff is that's what you got to do. You're not really out there raising money per se. You're just blabbing about it. People kind of go, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. And then that's where you have the discussion. So that's what you're doing. And so you feel pretty confident you can raise some money through those conversations you've had. Yeah, I do. I've had one friend kind of introduce me to three or four people. They've closed deals themselves. They're looking to expand their business. I've made a list of folks that I haven't even necessarily talked to yet. I haven't seen them in a while. And when I do see them or run into them, you know, I expect to maybe bring up real estate at that point. All right. So you're glossing over some of the details, but my sense is you're being very intentional about these things. You're writing stuff down, right? We talk about creating these mind maps of different, you know, social groups that you're in and listing the names in each of those groups and then, you know, reaching out to them in a natural way. But you're not talking about, you know, sports and the weather, you know, you're catching up and then you're gently steering the conversation about how excited you are about real estate. Is that kind of what you're doing? Yeah. A lot of my friends know um, that I recently kind of went part-time in the pharmacy. So that creates another level of, you know, intrigue. That's crazy though. So describe some, just people listening to this stuff, what that is like. We're trying to do what you're trying to do. We want some flexibility in our work schedule. In fact, we want to actually control our work schedule. It's interesting, even the people that are, you know, financially free, what I find is that we're not sitting there on the beach doing nothing. We're actually working really hard, but we're doing it at our terms. And so you're working now on your terms. But what does that feel like? Just can you describe that feeling now where you have some flexibility versus before where you had to be at work on the weekends or you had to be in a work at a certain time? What's that like? Well, have you ever seen the Shawshank Redemption? Yes, I have. So, you know, when Andy Dufresne breaks out of prison, he crawls through the sewer pipes and he jumps out into the creek and he's like washing himself off and it's raining. Yeah. You know, he's just happy to be free. It kind of felt like that the first couple of days, you know, walking out of work that last night, you know, I was kind of like, freedom. I'm kind of going through withdrawal a little bit too. I'm used to uh, checking my work email. I don't have to do that anymore. You know, I'm free in the evenings. You know, I used to work like two nights a week till nine o'clock and then drive home and get here at 930. You know, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to the gym a little bit more. I'm actually a little bit bored from time to time. So it's kind of nice. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch what happens. My observation is when I have conversations like this stuff, most of our brains are consumed by 90% work and then 10% like family. And then when you take the work out, you have this sense of confusion about you. you have this vacuum in your brain. I love watching this problem because you're like, well, I'm a little bored. People invariably come up with really good ideas. But once the confusion goes on for a few months and the boredom goes on, you challenge yourself to new things. And it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with you, Aaron. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, you're exactly right. I'm kind of a little bit confused. Um, you know, I'm, I'm used to putting out fires and, you know, thinking, how do I manage these 15 people I'm in charge of? And, you know, right now I'm not, not having to worry about that. That's fabulous. Yeah, no, almost everyone listening to this wants to experience your sense of confusion, Aaron. So it's a great sense of confusion. It's amazing. You'll find how inspired people will be by your story. So speaking of which, why I'm all about is helping people do their first deal so they become financial free. What is your advice to someone who wants to do what you're doing? You know, obviously using hindsight as the benefit to you having to work out and figure things out as you go along. But if you could sit someone down and say, hey, you know what, from path A to B, here's what I think is the fastest way to do it. What would you say? I would say mainly just get started, do something. You mean, you think 10 years ago, they brought the first iPad out. 
you didn't have a video camera. You know, they released a second edition. They put some upgrades in it, made it more user-friendly. You know, if they would have waited for everything to be perfect, we still wouldn't have an iPad. You know, there has to be a first version. So if you're going out and, you know, just kind of doing that first deal, you know, if you're a little scared, you know, have somebody help you, have somebody look over the deal with you that's involved in real estate, connect with your local real estate group, you know, build a network. That's probably the second thing I would recommend, you know, be around people who are, you know, like-minded, be a local real estate group, develop relationships with your banks locally. That helps. Just getting started is the biggest thing. It is getting started. And in the realm of getting started, what do you advise people to do? And the reason I ask is a lot of people talk about taking massive action. And I think that overwhelms a lot of people. So when you talk about taking action, can you be a little more specific? I mean, obviously, you're going to need money at some point, somehow. It may not be your money. It may be someone else's money, but you're going to need to line up some way to fund your down payment. And then, you know, maybe have some reserves for the first six months or so, just because things go wrong at all. You know, they always do. Like I said, nothing's perfect. You know, the bank's going to want some, you know, financial background on yourself or whoever the group is that's borrowing money from the bank. So maybe start gathering that, you know, have that handy and organized. That would probably be the, the first thing I'd recommend, just making sure, you know, you've got the funding down so you can get things rolling. Right. And if someone doesn't have the funding, what do you suggest that they do? Maybe look for a partner or partners. You know, you may not be good at the funding part. Maybe you're good at finding the properties or you don't mind searching the MLS for hours at a time. Just network. If you've got a deal, somebody's going to go out and help you buy it. Having that deal is so valuable because people with money, their main problem is the deal flow, right? And so if you can come to them with a deal, I will say that the money really is not a problem. If you have a deal that's actually good, it is extremely rare that the money does not follow. I thought I'd almost witnessed an exception to that rule. One of our students almost didn't close on their deal because they couldn't raise the money. It was a pretty good deal. And they ended up closing on it anyway. And that was a real nail biter for us. And typically, the money will follow. The biggest challenge typically is finding the good deal. So getting good at finding deals. But we find that you know, in parallel is the best way to do it like you've been doing. You've been finding the deals and then in parallel, you're talking to people about potentially investing with you. Any other guidance you can provide? to people who are just starting to get started. Whatever market you're investing in, you know, whether it be your local market or if you're investing from afar, just be familiar with the market. Sign up on uh, Redfin. They'll send you email updates every day or you know, Zillow. They'll send you updates as far as you know, new listings go or price changes. Just be familiar with the market because you know, if something pops up and it's $30,000 overpriced, you know, if you don't have any experience, you might say, oh, that's a beautiful house, but you don't realize you're overpaying. Where if something comes up, it's $30,000 less, you'll know, okay, that's about right. But you know, as you look at more and more listings and deals, your ability to you know, figure out what's good and what's bad will you know, make things a lot easier. You know, the, the thing that you've done is obviously very worthwhile. You've gone from essentially having to work to wanting to work and doing however you want it. So it's a very worthwhile thing. One of the main challenges that many of us have is that it's not a 30-day success thing, right? It takes sometimes months, sometimes even years to succeed. How were you able to keep yourself going over that time? What did you do to keep yourself on track and motivated? I um, use a very variety of methods. We have a chalkboard up in our kitchen. I've had 20 units written up on this chalkboard with a circle around it for about three years. So every time I go in the kitchen, you know, my wife writes the menu for the week. And if we're going to dinner somewhere, if we're going to some activities, she'll write it on the chalkboard each week. I've had to look at that for the last three years. I have an app on my phone called Habit List. I go through each day and check off little habits as I do them each day. 
So each day I, I read 20 minutes. It may not always be a real estate book, but it's probably 60%, 70% of the books I read are about real estate or someone who has been successful in real estate. So I've constantly got that on the mind. And again, just you know, looking at deals all the time. You know, I get probably 10 emails a day about new listings and price changes and things like that. You know, I'm just always checking those out to kind of keep an eye open for things. That's awesome. So you mentioned some of your habits. Let's drill down on some of that. So you're reading 20 minutes a day. You're analyzing deals. How many deals are you analyzing and what other habits do you have that you do each day? You know, I'm probably looking at 15 listings a day, at least on most days. Now, some of the habits, you know, I pray daily, reading 20 minutes a day. I mean, I'll read my Bible. I have to tell my wife I love her. Even if I'm mad at her, I still have to tell her each day doing 45 push-ups every day. I'm not always faithful with that. You know, four out of seven days and during the week, I'll get that done. And just various other little things, just odds and ends like that. Yeah, love it. That's fantastic. So Habit Listy app, check that out, kind of keep you on track. And the other thing that you're doing is you're obviously working together with your wife and that's very important. And you put this goal up there for everybody to see, which is also important. What is it about that 20 units that was so meaningful to you and your wife? I knew with about 20 units, it made me um, three hundred dollars a door. You know, a couple of the single family early on, they were you know maybe make two hundred dollars a door, but the multifamily um, are around three hundred dollars a door. I knew at twenty of those, I could basically duplicate my work income. You know, I've been planning for the, especially the last year as I've kind of ramped things up. I knew it. You know, once we get to twenty units or so, then I would have an option to uh, kind of go part time at work. We hit that goal in May. I wasn't planning on leaving work. You know, I had no plans on making any changes. And, you know, another pharmacy local, I've known the guy probably for 10 years, called me up out of the blue and said, Hey, you know, we had a couple of these positions open. Would you be interested? And I was like, you know, maybe I would. And I drove to the interview um, thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm wasting their time and I'm wasting my time. There's no way in the world I'm going to take this job. And, you know, I got there and had a good feeling about it. Yes, the rest is history. That is awesome. Well, congratulations again on making this huge milestone. And, Thank you again for sharing your experience. What's the best way, Aaron, for people to connect with you? I'm on Bigger Pockets. You can find me there. You can also email me. I'm A Howell, which is H O W E L L, the number seven at hotmail.com. I'm on there quite often, but that'd probably be the best way to get in touch with me. Yeah, fabulous. Again, thank you so much, Aaron, for sharing your story and inspiring our listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, guys. I hope you were inspired by Aaron's story because he showed us that you can do this, you can become financially free with real estate by doing the smaller deals. Now, obviously doing bigger deals would have gotten them there faster. He could have come out, started raising money and going right after 22 units and he would have been done within a single deal. And he could have done that, but he showed that he could get there with duplexes and quads just the same way and it takes two or three years. The result is exactly the same. And so you can do this and you can do it by starting small. I think the key thing here is that you get started. And Aaron reiterated that again, that you get started somewhere. Now I'm going to challenge you to kind of stretch your comfort zone. And there's ways you can do that. You can do that by educating yourself. You can do that by networking with people and talking with people. And in doing so, your comfort zone expands. You can visit larger properties and make phone calls and evaluate them. And in doing so, your comfort zone expands. So you can expand your comfort zone. But at the end of the day, what's most important, guys, is that you take action. So I appreciate you listening to this podcast, but it's not enough. Okay, you got to start taking some kind of action. 
And again, a lot of people talk about taking massive action. I talk about taking tiny action, specifically doing the next three things. Okay. Next three things and whatever that may be, wherever you are, just everybody knows the next three things they should be doing. Just write those down. Don't think about 101 things that need to happen. Just think about the next three things, write them down and do them. Aaron also recommended this app called Habit List, which I just looked up after the show and it's available for Android and iPhones, etc. But it's really cool because you can track the things that you want to do each day that, you know, walk the dog, work out, you know, meditate, pray, analyze deals, and it tracks your completion rate of those things. So it's really cool. I need to download and play with it, but I think it's a great idea. Habits are so important. Okay. First is your mindset. You got to get right in your mind. And the next thing is building new habits because once you do that, you really can't be stopped. So check out Habitless, the app, and just use that to take consistent action. We talk about the first deal is so important. And in order to do that first deal, you really need three elements in place. And I talk about this quite a bit, but you need deal flow. Obviously, you need to find deals, you need access to funds, and you need a solid team in place. Those are really the three critical success factors. And if you're frustrated because you haven't done your first deal yet, it's probably because you're missing one or more of these elements in place. So if that's the case, we can help. You can check out our coaching program at themichaelblank.com forward slash coaching, or just go to michaelblank.com programs and coaching and schedule a free strategy session with us right now. We'll walk you through the exact process that we use over and over again and make sure that you have all three elements in place. And this will accelerate your timeline and help you avoid major mistakes. So if that's speaking to you right now, if you want to do what Aaron has done and you want to accelerate that time frame, check out our coaching program. And we would look forward to talking with you as well. If you love the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Love to read those as well. And also exposes us to more who are looking to quit their job become financially free with real estate. And if you have a story similar to Aaron's, whether you've gone through our program like Aaron has or not, it doesn't matter really to me. I want to inspire people to take action with real estate, specifically with multifamily. So if you have a story like Aaron's, where you've quit your job with apartment buildings, I want to hear from you. So contact us at themichaelblank.com. There's a contact form there. And I would love to hear from you. So again, appreciate you guys spending time with us here on the show and I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.